Let's pray together. Father, may that be the desire of our heart, that you would burn inside of us, that you would consume us, and that the light and the warmth from you that has been given to us would shine in this cold, dark world, and that this amazing love, this amazing grace, would, would God flow through our lives into the lives of those who, who need you. So God, may we today understand that opportunity, and, and may we, Lord God, do what is necessary to take a step in order to map out what it is you want to do with our lives for your glory and our blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are, we are this year focusing on what's next, and uh, we're, we're walking through different portions of Scripture. Right now we're walking through First Thessalonians, and we're, we're talking about these things that God wants us to map out for our lives. There's opportunities that are before us. We talked about last week that First Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul, and Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica because they had been lied to. They'd been told that Jesus had already come back and they missed it. And so Paul is writing to clarify the fact that Jesus had not yet returned. What's next was still coming, but that they needed to continue to live out what it means to be the church. And so Paul, in, in the section we're going to look at today, is talking to them about how he came to them, how he came to share his life and his hope with them. And what we see in this is God's calling on each of our lives, those of us who believe, to, to be God's conduit, where which he, he pours out his love and his grace through our life into the lives of others. See, what we are is a pipe. We are a pipe that is meant to, to have God's love and his grace, his power, pour down into us and then out into the lives of those who are around us intentionally. Well, what we need to understand is that there's no such thing as coincidence with God. There's only providence. So the, the people that you and I know, the, the way that we were raised, the people that we're around now, it's not coincidence. It's by God's divine purpose. And what God wants us to do is to be a pipe. He wants us to be available to him to pour his love and his light and his grace and his mercy through so that it comes out into their life. Now, sometimes that's very easy. There are times when people will literally walk up to you and say, hey, I want that. Some of you today, you're here, you're followers of Jesus, because at some point maybe you went up to a friend or to your, your parents and said, hey, I want to be a Christian. How do I do this? How does this work? Uh, I know that there's actually been some of you who are here today who you were coming to Living Hope and you came up to me and you said, hey, I want that. What is that? What do I need to do? And it's just like, hey, you need to accept Jesus. And it's really easy. Other times it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult because when you're talking to people, they start giving you the stink eye, right? They start looking at you like, oh, man, don't, don't, I don't want this. You know, and, and you feel like a parent with a picky eater. How many of you are parents with picky eaters? Show your hands. How many of you are picky eaters? Show your hands. Yes. It's hard to be your parent. Because we know what you need. We know that you need to have these other foods. And so we bring them to you and we give them to you. And, and it's like we know you want to live off of fried chicken and M&M's. Who doesn't? Right? But there's other things you need. And so you, you know, you wrinkle in their nose. You know, oh, I don't want this. Sometimes that's what it feels like when you're trying to be the pipe. And, you're, and God's grace and His power and His love is poured out to you. And you're trying to pour it out into lives of other people. Sometimes they're just like, I don't want this. And, and there's sometimes it's, it's difficult. Please remember, it's not our job to get them to like it. It's our job to serve it. 
And, and so many times we, we hold back because we're so worried about whether they're going to like it or not, whether or not they like the way we say it. doesn't matter. Our job is to serve up what is true. We are the type. And we, we got to be careful. You know, Moses, like us, was called to be God's ambassador, to be his representative. And Moses had reasons, like many of us. I mean, there's a lot of us here right now who have excuses as to why we can't share our faith at home, at work, where we go to school and all these other things. And we need to be so careful that we don't sound like Moses. Look what Moses said in, in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. So Moses said, who am I that I should go? And I know that some of you just say today, who am I that I would share with my family? Who am I that, that I would go to school and share with my friends or the people where I work or the people in my neighborhood? Let me tell you who you are. You're the one that God has chosen to send. And you go not because you're so great and awesome and terrific. You go because God told you to. Because God has fashioned you right where you want, where he wants you. And he wants to pour his love into your life, into the lives of others. Well, Moses had another one in Exodus 4.1. He said, uh, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And you know what? That's going to happen. It happens to me every Sunday. It's happening to me right now. I am speaking, and there are some of you right now who are not listening to me. You don't want to listen to this. You know, it, it cracks me up the ones who fall asleep, though. That's the classic, right? You know, a couple of weeks ago, someone was in there, and they, uh, it was kind of a quiet moment, and they woke up. I think the noise, you know, sometimes a comment is kind of a... And they wonder who heard them snort, right? And you know who you are, and I'm not going to say your name, but you know, need to know that I know that we know. Listen, they're not all going to listen. I get it. I know exactly what that feels like to prepare and to say, you know, as best you can what is true and what is right. And, and they don't listen. Why, so why do we do it? Because God told us to. Because God told us to. Why do I get up and spit and sweat and cry and preach? And do? Because God told me to do it. Bottom line, that's why. Moses had another excuse. Uh, verse 10. Uh, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am I am slow of speech in a tongue. And, and I know there's a lot of folks that they don't want to share because you're, you're like, I don't know all the answers. You know, I'm not a big philosopher. I, you know, I don't know all the science of it. I can't, I don't know all the deep, you know, answers to the tough questions. Let me just tell you, if you know Jesus loves you, this you know, for the Bible tells you so, you know enough. That's what people need to know. They need to know that Jesus loves them, that the Bible has revealed how he loves us, and it's, and it's with a love that is eternal and never yielding and will overcome sin. If you know that, you know enough. God wants to pour that down into your life, into the lives of others. And so if you're making excuses, you need to hear the word of God. You need to hear what God said to Moses. So we see in verse 11, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. What God says is, look, just be the pipe. I will pour my love, my life, my goodness, my grace, my mercy into you, and then you just pour it out. God says, I'll do the work. It's not your responsibility whether they like it or not. It's your responsibility to serve it up. Paul knew that. 
Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. He, he talks to them about how he came. And what we see in, in Paul's example it is what it is to be the pipe. It is what it is to, to share our life and hope the way God wants us to. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to First Thessalonians chapter 2. And Felicity Ayers is going to come and read our scripture for us. So let's all stand together. Again, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're in the first of them. There's two of them. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're in 12, uh, verses 1 through 12. A lot of verses today. Uh, but again, there's one of these. Some of this is what, exactly what God brought you here for. So let's see if you would read that for us, okay? For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for grief. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because it had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toll. We work night and day that we may not not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. The word of God. Thank you, Felicity. Well done. If you guys would go ahead and, and be seated. Please understand and remember this. We can never take responsibility for other people's decisions. It's not our place. It's not our job. It's not our job to be responsible for what other people choose to do. It is our job to choose to love them no matter what. Listen, I have friends that have been my friends for years that will always be my friends that I love very much that do not believe what I believe. They have said to me, thank you very much for sharing. I'm not interested. I still love them. And I still care about them. And they're still important to me. And I still share with them from time to time. And they give me the stink eye. And they tell me they don't like it. And they ask me why. And I say, because God tells me to. And Jesus loves you this you know because the Bible tells you so. And I've told you time and time again. And they say, whatever. And we move on. And I love them still. And, and that's our job. Our job is not to be responsible for other people's decisions. Our job is to share the hope and life that we have been given. And what we see in our text today is how we are to do that. Four words that I want you to get today. And I imagine one of these words will be more important to you than the others. Not that we need all four, but I, I imagine the Spirit of God is going to convict in, in one particular area. So be ready for that. First of all, write this one out and get this one. We, we share life and hope, first of all, with boldness with boldness. You know, Paul and the boys, he's with Timothy and Sylvanus, you know, they've gone through they've gone through Philippi and they've gotten a snot beat out of them, literally. They've gone into that city and, and they were beaten for sharing the gospel. And you know, for most people that would have canceled the mission trip, right? You know, I'm sure if you know we sent a team to and they came back home, hey how'd the trip go? Well they beat us at the first one, so we came home. 
And a lot of people go, well, that makes sense. If you got me, you probably should have come on home. Not Paul the boys. They said, you know how we were treated in Philippi, but that didn't change. That didn't change our mission. The way people responded didn't change our mission. We were responsible to come anyway. And so he says, we came with boldness. He said in verse 2, we had boldness in our God. There was a boldness in sharing. They were, they were willing to, to step up and say it anyway. And there are so many of God's children today who, who aren't. We're not sharing. Why aren't we sharing? Are we embarrassed? Are we afraid how other people are going to treat us? What is it? What is it that is keeping you from making disciples? Are you busy? Is that what you're, are you going to tell God? You're too busy? See, one day we're going to be in this cloud of witnesses. You read about in Hebrews 11, about the Heroes Hall of Fame, and you read in Hebrews 12, this cloud of witnesses. One day we're going to be a part of those. And we're going to be with, with guys that I heard about this week. I was talking to one of our partners. We have a mutual friend who's a missionary in a closed country. And I asked him how he was doing that. I hadn't heard from him. He said, it's not going, he's not doing well at all. You need to be praying for him. So what's going on? He said, well... Uh, in one of the cities um, where he had been, where the church was formed, uh, some men came and they beat up the pastor and they beat up the son and they knocked the son's teeth out and made him watch. And he said, worse than that, there was another city where they trapped the pastor and his family in their house and they burned the house down and they all died. And I said, how, 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 how do you, how's he doing? How does, how do you recover? He said, you won't believe this. But the message is going out, and more people are believing. So how does that happen? So how does it ever happen? People pray, people share, God works, and people believe. Friends, can I tell you that there's going to be a day when we're going to be in a Heroes Hall of Fame, and, and there's going to be people talking about the challenges they had to sharing the gospel. What, what will we say? We were too busy. They may have made fun of us at the office. The, the kids at school would not have been receptive of it. You know, if, you know we got to be real careful here in North America as North American Christians because we're starting to sound like a bunch of whiners. In the kingdom of God, we're, we're starting to be the Tom Brady of Christianity, right? I don't know if you saw this, and if you're a Tom Brady fan, I am too, but this is just too good. We, we need to learn, you know, not to be this way. Uh, apparently, you know, after Tom lost the game, there was a video made, and so it's a spoof. It's not real. If you're a Brady fan, don't send me an email. It'll just make me laugh harder. But this is how we don't want to sound as Christians, all right? Let's watch this. Again, no emails. It'll just make me laugh more. I won't help. We don't want to sound like this to other Christians throughout the world. I was busy. People were talking about me. And Obama, Obama. All right, we are. Those excuses won't hold water. It just won't. 
we've got to understand, we've got to be bold. Now, let me tell you what boldness is. That's not being arrogant. Let me tell you what, what, what boldness is for a Christian, for the Christian faith. What boldness is, it really comes down to two words. I wrote a little bit in a blog about it this week. It, it's about having confident hope. That's what boldness is. It's confident hope. Where does the confidence come from? The fact that we know that we are saved by grace, not because of anything we've done. It's because of Him. And our confidence is Him. And it's humble because it's Him. It's because of what He has done. And you know, there, there's so many, I was talking with, with, with a friend this week about testimonies. And people say, you know, I just, I don't have one of those testimonies. Let me just tell you this, all right? If you are saved by grace to faith in Christ alone, you are a miracle. And your story is miraculous. And I know there's some who say, well, I don't have one of those crazy stories. You're still a miracle. Listen, the fact that someone like me who was raised outside the church would come to know Jesus Christ and the Lord would change my life so that I was able to to live the Christian life and then tell it to others, it's a miracle. But for some of you who were raised in the church and church became a routine, something you did regularly, and something you heard all the time, the fact that one day you were so overwhelmed by the power of the gospel after you had heard it and been around it so many years that it moved on you and it was unshakable and, and you were overwhelmed by it, that's miraculous. Either way, it's a miracle. And what we need to do is with this humble confidence in the greatness of who God is, is to share our life and hope with boldness, not because we're so cool, but because our God is, because He is so great, and because He is mighty, we are bold because of who He is. second word to get down is integrity. Share life and hope with integrity. In Paul's day, there would be philosophers who would go through the area, and what they would do is they were kind of charlatans, and they would they would teach, and they would try to gain benefactors, and they would deceive people, and they would basically tell people what they wanted to hear, and so they would basically put on a self-help, self-talk philosophy, you know, kind of thing, and say, you know what, just live this way, and, and, and everything will go great for you, and by the way, here's my fee, and here's what, and Paul said, that's not how I came to you. Paul said, I, you know, I came to you with integrity. He said, I didn't come to you because, because I needed you. I came to you because you needed God. He said, I was willing to come and to share with you. Listen, there, there are so many who, like me, and I put myself in this category because I can remember what it was not to be a believer and to have people try to make me their project. Oh let's, oh, let's win this one. Let's get Pettis. Let's win him. You know, let's... Nobody wants to be your project. Nobody wants to be the knot on your, you know, your belt. No one wants to be, you know, your, your bragging point before the church or before God. You know what people want? You know what people need? They need you to love them with integrity and to care for them and to love them no matter what they choose to do with Jesus. You know where the integrity of the gospel comes from? Is, is when we, we understand what our role is. That we understand it's not our job to convince anyone, it's our job just to share. And when we choose to pray for them and to love them and to offer what God is doing, that there's integrity in that. You know, I, 
I get asked, I get emails and letters and, and, and stuff from, from evangelists. And I'm, I'm for evangelists. I think there are some people who are uniquely gifted. They can stand and preach. And, and there's, for whatever reason, God uses that to bring a, a lot of people to saving faith. I, I, here, I typically don't do that with our elders. We just haven't chosen to go that way. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that when, I look, when we look at the New Testament, here's what we see happening. We see people loving Jesus. And because they love Jesus, they love each other. And because they love Jesus and they love each other, they want other people who don't know that love to come and experience it and be a part of that family. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes I, 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 I think about this one letter I got recently of a guy who was talking about how he led like 155 people and they were all saved because of his preaching and because and because of that I, we needed to have him come and preach. And it felt so self-promoting, you know? And, and I just thought, you know, I just don't, I'm not questioning his integrity. I'm just saying it doesn't, it just doesn't seem that's the way we need to go. It seems like what we need to be doing it's just loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving lost people and inviting them to know Jesus. And, and not coming to the church because we have celebrity worship leaders, and not coming to Living Hope because I'm the coolest khaki wearing pastor in town, right? Because we know that ain't right. Or because, you know, everything we do is so cool and so fun. Listen, we're not cool, but our God is. And what makes Living Hope cool is that Jesus Christ is cool. And we get to be a part of his life and what he's doing. And so when we can go to people and, and we can share our life and hope, and they say, why? And we say, because Jesus loves me. And because these people I'm in community, in community with, even though we're kind of strange and we're not perfect, we love each other, and we love you. And the God who loves us loves you. And we want you to be a part of it. So when they say, why do you keep sharing this with me? We simply say, because God told me to. He's loved me and told me to tell you he loves you. And there's integrity in that. You, you're not having to convince anyone of anything. You just love them and you share. You're the pipe. Third word. Third word to give. Share life and hope with tenderness. In verse 4, Paul pictured himself as a steward. He said, you know, we were entrusted with this gospel. You know, it's not our thing. It's not about us. It's about God. And then here he talks about the fact that he, he pictures himself as a mother, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And he talks about what that looks like. And this is what it needs to look like when we're being the pipe. It says in verse 8 that we loved you so much that we didn't just tell you the truth. We actually shared our lives with you. We actually were your friends. We actually cared about what you were going through. We actually, you know, took time away from things that we could have put time toward and instead chose to put that time toward you and to tell you how much God loves you. And it's about them and it's about the Lord and it's not about us. I think that's why, for me personally, and why I've, I've challenged you guys so often to use the three circles, because it, it, it helps the conversation be about God and about what's going on in the world. You know, every time I share Christ, I always start by saying the same thing. The world is not as it should be. You know what? I've not found anyone who disagrees with that. And so when we talk about the brokenness of the world, 
anybody and everybody can talk, talk to something, speak to something that's broken in their life, a relationship, their heart, something. And the, and the question always then becomes, well, why are there broken relationships? Why, are, why is the world so broken? It's because of sin. God made it so that we were to be in harmony with Him, with, with Him, and with others, but we're not. Why? Because of sin. But God didn't abandon us. Jesus Christ has come. That's the gospel. And if we will repent and believe, we can recover and pursue God's design. We can be loved by God. We can be forgiven by God. And we can forgive other people. And we can trust His plan for our life. And so we can pursue God and obey Him and love others. And we can share our lives with other people. And that's exactly what God calls us to do. That is the tenderness that we are to share Christ with. The last word is strength. Share life and hope with strength. And so you see in verse 4, Paul pictured himself as a steward. In verse 7, Paul pictures himself as a mother. Now in verse 11, he now pictures himself as a father. A father. You know, a father does not burden his children. A father does two things at least. A father provides for his children and is an example for his children. You know, again, Paul, Paul comes and he says, Look, I didn't come to be a burden to you. I didn't come to have you take care of me. And, and here's what the world needs to hear from the church. The world doesn't need to hear that we're worried about the polls. The world doesn't need to hear that we meet, we need a stronger, you know, voting block. The world doesn't need that we need to get our numbers up. And I'll be honest with you, I have, I have, I have unsubscribed from all the statistical data that I've been getting over the last couple of years because it doesn't matter what the rest of the world believes. It doesn't make it any less or more true. The gospel is true because God's Bible says it is. Period. And if we need a poll or if we need a majority in order for us to believe, then we don't understand the gospel. Paul says, look, I don't need a poll to tell me. I don't need you to tell me. I don't need anything from you to tell me what is real and what is true. He says, I know the gospel. Jesus Christ is alive. So I don't. I didn't come because I needed you. He said, I came because Jesus is alive. And now I, I want to share this with you. So he says, I didn't come to be a burden to you. I came to provide for you. He said, I came and I shared with you an example. Uh, look how he describes it. Holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. There was, there was a strength that he was able to share from that said, look, I don't need you to tell me that what I believe is true. I already know it is. And it has changed my life. And the, the, the position from which I'm sharing the hope is not from a position of perfection, but from the, the position of a person who has been transformed by the grace of God. I have been made righteous. I have been filled with love. And that guides my behavior. And so from that perspective, Paul says to them in verse 12, So we exhorted you and encouraged you and charged you. That's what a father does. A father exhorts and, and encourages and charges his children. He tells them what they ought to be, what God intends them to be. And there's some that say, well, who am I to say that? You're God's fight. It's not your message. It's His. Can I remind you, it is never loving a lie to someone. 
it's never loving to say, oh, your sin doesn't matter to God. That's a lie. There are so many who are out in the world today who've been lied to, who've been told, hey, whatever behavior you want to have, God's okay with that. Whoever you want to be, whatever gender you want to be, whatever whatever way you want to live your life, it's fine with God. He's going to love you no matter what. You don't have to change anything. That's a lie. He does love you no matter what, but He loves you so much, He wants you to actually live according to His design. It's not loving to lie. It's loving to tell the truth. But to do it with, with love. And say, look, here's what God's Word says. Here's what God wants for us. God wants what's best for us. And He will forgive us. And He will live in us. And He will guide us. And He will bless us if we believe. Our world is starving. Your family members, your friends, the people that aren't here, listen, they need this. And here's what God's calling us to do is to be the pipe. That He might pour into our life his love and his mercy and his grace. But here's what is happening to a number of God's children today. Some of you. There is so little going in that there's not much coming out. Because worship on Sunday is optional, there's just not a lot being poured in. And so what you're putting in are things, sports, events, job, activity, maybe some really important, necessary things, but that doesn't, that doesn't accomplish God's purpose. Now, friends, we've got to pour in God's truth. We've got to receive in God's love. We've got to have that just coming into our life, and it's not enough just on Sunday. It's every day. I mean, think about Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Look what it says about Jesus. And rising very early in the morning, very early in the morning. Why? Because he was going to have a busy day. Because he had lots to do. So he gets up very early in the morning while it was still dark. What did he do? He departed and went to a desolate place and there he prayed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed to be alone with the Father to pray and to have his word poured into his life so that it would pour out into those who would be, he would be ministering to that day. How much more do we need that time with God. Here's what I I suspect is happening. I suspect there are some who are not who are not receiving in, even though they they've opened up their life to Christ. Here's what I also suspect. I also suspect there's some who said no. And they said, I don't want to receive Christ in my life. I don't want him to fill me. I want I want my own thing. I want to figure it out my own way. And so long as you're living like this, you will never be full. Because the thing about a pipe, it's hollow. It's hollow. And until what we were made for to receive is filling us, we will always feel empty and never satisfied. We were made by God to be filled with His love and His grace and His power so that it can pour out into the lives of those that we're, we're around. So let me ask you, does that describe you? Is God's love and grace being poured out into the lives of other people through you? If not, why not? What needs to change? Your courage, your commitment, your schedule, your calendar, 
your faith, your openness to God. Whatever it is, I, I, this morning I want to invite you to ask God to change you and to commit yourself to obedience so that you can take this opportunity to be the pipe that God pours His love out into the lives of people who are all around you who need it. Let me, let me pray for us. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I'm, I'm always kind of sensitive to these kinds of sermons because if we're not careful, it can it can be, uh, it can almost sound like a sales meeting or something. Lord, it's not what this is. This is an opportunity that you give to your children to be a part of what you're doing in the world that will matter for all of eternity. And so in light of what's next, Lord God, I pray that you're you're calling us, you're convicting us, and you're telling us your life is so busy with so many things, but what, what's really making a difference for eternity? That friend at school, that family member, that person in your neighborhood that never goes to church. Lord, I pray that you're convicting our hearts about those folks. And I pray that right now that we would we would do some business with you and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, I want to be of use to you. I want to pray for this family member, for this friend, for this person who needs your grace, and I want to ask that you would let me be the pipe. Father, I pray for any who are closed off from you, that you would you would right now move in them so that they open their lives to you and that right now they can receive into themselves your eternal love and grace and forgiveness and power. Lord, it's a privilege to know you and serve you. It's an opportunity. I pray that right now that there will be commitments made to live it out. I pray that you'll do this in Jesus' name. Amen.